Around me are some of the 370,000 New Zealanders enrolling in tertiary education this year. Their presence attracts direct government subsidies totalling $2.8 billion, a big sum and one that's being managed and rationed like never before. I'm John Gerritsen and in this insight I investigate how the tertiary education funding system is shaping our polytechnics and universities for better or worse. The terrace in downtown Wellington is home to the Tertiary Education Commission, the organisation which negotiates funding every year with every tertiary institution. It's a system of funding that ensures there's no repeat of the unexpected blowouts of enrolments in low-value courses that occurred in the early 2000s. The Commission's Chief Executive, Tim Fowler, says the negotiations are based on institutions explaining to the Commission how their proposed mix of courses and enrolments will meet the government's goals and local and national needs. We use an investment plan and the investment plan is driven uh, very uh, comprehensively out of the tertiary uh, education strategy which is, um, which is periodically released by the Minister. Um, we take into account current and future demographics, where the outcomes are looking like they could lead us uh, and what industry is after. Now what we then release to the sector is guidance, the, uh, the sector responds to that in the form of an investment plan and then we judge each of those on their merits and then divvy up the, that $3 billion pool um, as a consequence. Tim Fowler says that approach allows the Commission to ensure more funding is put into areas where it's needed. If you look at the information that we're getting from business, if you look at the information we're getting out of um, the, the needs analysis that are going on around our economy, it's really clear that we need more engineers. It's really clear that we need more um, people trained in trades. Um, it's really clear that we need, need to lift literacy and numeracy uh, for all adults. Um, especially those who have um, not come out of our compulsory system with, uh, with qualifications. So we have moved funding and specified and lifted um, our funding in areas around engineering, um, around Māori and Pacific trades, uh, around the rebuild of Canterbury, um, around ICT graduate schools and the likes to really drive at and get things in the institutions where we need them delivered to directly feed into, the, into our economy and our society. Time the acceleration, how long it just used the S, um, the position final, with no initial velocity and starting zero, and then just seeing how long it went over that time. Negotiated funding potentially enables growth in demand areas, like this engineering course at Victoria University in Wellington, science courses in Auckland, and medical programmes in Dunedin. But that's not all there is to the system. The Tertiary Education Commission also measures institutions' performance, and if they're not up to scratch, it can demand money back. It can cut subsidies entirely to courses that do not meet minimum completion rates, slash up to 5% of funding from the worst performing institutions, and recoup money from institutions that fall more than 1% short of their agreed enrolments for the year. This year it clawed back about $20 million but the impact of those measures varies depending on who you talk to. Tim Fowler says they have definitely improved the system. Average course completion rates, for example, have gone up in all parts of the sector, from 84 to 86% in universities and from 74 to 79% in polytechnics. We're very comfortable that the incentives that we've sent are actually being responded to, those signals, and they are being responded to. Um, and as a consequence we've started to see those improvements that we've been really after. 
How do you know that improvements in completion rates really are improvements in completion rates and not just institutions passing people who perhaps in previous years they would not have passed? Well, I think it's a function of the quality assurance system. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got a high level of confidence and work obviously very closely with the likes of um, the universities, New Zealand and New Zealand um, Qualifications Authority to ensure that that's the case. The Tertiary Education Minister, Stephen Joyce, has overseen the introduction and application of the performance measures. He says they're working well because institutions have upped their game across the board. What we're seeing is more people achieve more quickly. So the signals we're sending around student support, got to pass at least half your courses over two years. Uh, the, the signals we're sending to the, to the institutions by holding 5% of them on a performance basis. So in other words, if you slip too far below the, the level of performance, then you, then you have to give money back. Those things have seen a big focus on the sort of pastoral care and support uh, which has been talked about a lot over the years, uh, but perhaps not delivered in the way and to the extent that it is being delivered now. How do you know that there's the increase in pastoral care and support and, and helping students to complete those marginal students who might otherwise fail, mm. rather than, well, look, if we fail, the student will be below the desired completion rate, we'll get in trouble. You know, how do you know that's not going on? Well, because we're focusing on two things. Firstly, we, we are still paying most on enrolments. That encourages people to enrol people, but we're also... Uh, paying on their um, performance and that encourages the institutions to make sure that the performance is good. I'll give you one example which is one of my favourite examples and they'll all remain nameless but I was at this particular institution about a year after uh, we'd got this started and they told me excitedly um, that they'd made some changes as a result of the performance link funding and I said well that's fantastic what changes are you making and they said well for a start we're actually monitoring the students all the way through the year and working out who's actually falling behind and we're going in and taking a sort of proactive approach with them and making sure that we lift them up, find out what's going wrong and and working cohort by cohort in every class in the institution. Now I must say for me, I might have thought and assumed that that was something that would happen anyway but that's definitely been happening more and the institutions are saying we've got to get in and change things before the results are so we get make sure that people get the results. But not everybody is convinced. The national body for students is the Union of Students Associations, which represents 13 student bodies. The organisation's president, Daniel Haynes, says from a student perspective, the funding system has changed tertiary education for the worse. Certainly the most difficult thing being a student at the coalface are the flow-on effects of the changes. So you might begin your qualification and at the end of it, instead of having a tutorial size of 15, it's 20 and it's every second week instead of every first. So there are changes due to large underfunding in terms of how much is going into investing in the tertiary sector and um, th there's real, I think, harmful effects for students. So, so the quality of education, the quality of the experience has deteriorated? Absolutely. We think that students are paying more and getting less. The union's executive director, Alistair Shaw, says the performance measures have prompted institutions to improve their monitoring of students' progress but he says there's less support for the vast majority of students than there was in the past. There's certainly a lot more tracking, and some of the institutions have got pretty good processes now for identifying students early, because, I mean, the levers have an impact, but what, what is happening is that students are being pre-screened out. And I think that those extra resources that are going into students which are being identified is one of the reasons that resources are going out of all students into their students to make sure that they get through. And when we talk about quality at the institutions, the thing that students identify is they have less contact with the academics, they have um, larger tutorials, 
it's very, very uncommon now for there to be a tutorial every week. Alistair Shaw says some parts of the population are now effectively shut out of tertiary education because tertiary institutions are being more selective about who they enrol. People who come from alternative pathways because they're older or they haven't completed university entrance and they need to get some sort of bridging programme, those have been cut away because the institutions are worried that they need to um, achieve such great completion rates and they just uh, focus on the students who they think won't need any support. And I think particularly for older students that's been very damaging. It's been an end essentially to lifelong learning. Coupled with the tertiary education strategy that says that priority is on 18 to 25 year olds, we've seen a big drop off in terms of older students. We've seen a drop off in terms of part-time students. And while those students actually often do struggle and find it more difficult, um, they still get through and that should be a right and they should have access to it. But Stephen Joyce denies institutions are shying away from enrolling people from groups with a poor track record. We're having a big increase in some of those cohorts and in particular uh, young Māori and Pacifica because that was the one that everybody was most uh, talking about. Uh, was that they would say, oh, we'll reduce the number of uh, young Māori and Pacifica studying. But actually that hasn't happened, if anything, it's gone the other way, uh, which I'm very pleased about. You can't actually uh, knock out huge cohorts of learners when you're, you're paid on a per-learner basis. The only answer for the institution is actually to perform better for those learners uh, under the system that we've got in place now, and you know, I think that's what they're doing. However, the Tertiary Education Union also has grave concerns. Its president, Leslie Francie, warns that completion rate figures might not be as good as they look. She says the universities work the rules of their main source of research income, the performance-based research fund, to maximise money coming in. She believes the same is likely to be happening with things like course completion rates. When you tie funding to these kind of measures, you know, it opens up the possibility, actually the real probability possibility of... Uh, the system being rotted. As I said, we've seen gaming with the PBRF. And it's just, if, if these institutions are functioning as businesses and the money that they get is tied up to these measurements that are put in place, there's always going to be ways to make sure that they meet the measurements to get the funding. What, what sort of things do you think or do you know are happening? Well, it's a difficult one, but I have, you know, I have been told by members that they, they have been pressured to pass students that perhaps would be very borderline. Unitech in Auckland is the biggest polytechnic or institute of technology in the country, a mixture of modern buildings and others that date more than 100 years. We're sitting in um, a building that was originally part of the uh, psychiatric hospital complex that was on the site here at, at Carrington Road and so this was part of that, that, that complex built in 1895. Lovely old building. Unitech's chief executive, Rick Ede, says the system of negotiating funding with the Tertiary Education Commission is useful, but only at a high level. At an institutional level the conversation with the Tertiary Education Commission does start at the, what is the broader demand that we're seeing out there in the, in the market. So I think at the high level it's the right approach. Where it sometimes starts to break down is when, on top of that high-level approach, we get these more micro-conversations about specific initiatives. And what happens is that you get uh, then decisions around some small part of the portfolio 
that are taken in isolation of the impacts on the bigger organisational impact, if you like. Rick Eid says Unitec has been on the wrong end of one of the new performance measures, the rate of qualification completions. He says that's not because Unitec is doing badly, but because the method of measurement is wrong. It's an indicator that measures more than just qualification completions. It's, I don't, it's very technical the way these things work, as I'm sure you'd understand. Uh, but it actually also measures what proportion of your students study full-time and part-time. It also measures what uh, has been your uh, enrolment trends over the past few years. And so, if you like, qualification completions only account probably for about a quarter of what the indicator really measures. And even though the TEC will acknowledge that, yep, there are flaws in the indicator, they have simply kept on applying it. And what that has done, I believe, is incentivise some games playing around the system. Rick Eade says that cost Unitec several hundred thousand dollars last year, a small proportion of the $75 million it gets in government grants, but it rankles nonetheless. Though he suggests game-playing, Rick E doubts institutions are going so far as passing students who shouldn't be passed. I think you have to be aware that there could be risk of you know, grade inflation and so on to, to meet the measures. And in the absence of a strong both national and organisational quality assurance system, then you would be very worried about that. However, I think the, um, the, the quality processes that at the high level are put in place by NCQA, and so these are processes like moderation, the processes like the um, you know, program reviews, you know, that I think while it's possible that those games could be played, I would, I would argue that you will get found out you know, at some stage. You know, the, the chickens will come home to roost on that. I'm in the atrium of Auckland University of Technology. It's New Zealand's youngest university, situated right in the heart of downtown Auckland. Going up. I'm going up to the seventh floor to see the Vice-Chancellor, Derek McCormick. Derek McCormick says universities also have complaints about the performance measures, and there's a debate right now about the Commission's use of course completion rates. This year, university courses can lose their funding if their pass rates are below 60%. The figure for polytechnic courses is 45%. Now, there's some real problems with that because, of course, at university anyway, students just don't do courses or, or papers. They try and do a qualification, which is made up of a whole lot of courses. And some of those courses might be difficult in the first year. So if you've come out of school um, and you want to get into some areas of technology and your maths wasn't quite up to scratch, well, you might have a couple of goes at, at getting your early maths papers. Um, so to just drop the funding for those papers seems to be a little bit scattergun in thinking about a, a sort of a, a well-structured, comprehensive delivery of educational programs. So I think there's real issues with that, um, and the TC should back off that. Derek McCormick says the Commission should look only at the overall average completion rate for each institution, not at individual papers. And he says the measures are open to abuse. They are open to perverse responses. So, you know, you could improve your completion rates by um, making it easier to pass, by excluding risky students. I imagine that some institutions might be thinking about that. Certainly we don't want to do that and I don't know of any university that would be going down that path because of course our reputation is much more than the EPIs. It's what are our graduates like, um, what's the experience the student had which is more than just passing, was it a challenging experience that they felt they, they moved ahead in their knowledge, in their capability, 
as they went to university. So students don't want it just to be easy. AUT's Tertiary Education Union branch president, John Prince, believes staff right across the university sector are feeling the pressure. Some of the things that people in the, uh, the lecture theatres are seeing are subtle pressures to uh, improve pass rates, to raise grades, to make changes to those sort of academic components of what they're doing and um, sometimes people ha have, have um, issues with that because they think it's compromising the quality of what they're doing. Is that actually a pressure that's being exerted by managers or is it a pressure that comes just from knowing that there are completion rate targets the government's looking at? There is both. You probably don't have too many managers in universities saying to their staff, you must do this, but I think nonetheless they are, they are exerting pressure in, in all sorts of ways. At Victoria University, the Vice-Chancellor, Grant Guilford, says the government's performance indicators are not having much impact on universities because they already had high standards. And he says staff are not passing students in order to meet completion rate targets. Education performance indicators and a Vice-Chancellor's view of those would mean very little to an academic who is deciding whether someone should pass or fail a course. In fact, if I was to try and instruct an academic that someone should pass when they think they should fail, that would result in the proverbial two-fingered salute would be my, my guess. It's just not something that would ever be issued as an instruction, nor something that would ever happen. We've got the principles of academic freedom, we, we, we hold those very dearly and they do apply in this situation. Grant Guilford's biggest complaint is that the government's funding is inadequate. That's long been a common refrain for universities, but it's now being heard ever more loudly. That's because as part of government cost-cutting in response to the global financial crisis, subsidies for most university courses have not increased for two years, and polytechnics in Wananga have had no increases for four years. Grant Guilford says students' fees and other forms of income are not sufficient to make up the difference. Our costs have been growing year by year for many decades at about twice uh, the CPI. Government funding um, over the last decades has been about half our government funding increases have been about half CPI. So that creates a, a gap in the middle which universities have been filling to date by growth. Uh, growth in our domestic uh, enrolments which are now capped, uh, growth in fees which are now uh, limited to 4% and increasingly growth in international students and that's the way we've been balancing our books in addition to looking for every cost saving that we can find. Grant Guilford says rising student-staff ratios are a sign of cost-cutting. One of the responses from universities for efficiency is to increase staff-student ratios, or, or the other way around, student-to-staff ratios, um, so that uh, there is less care and attention to the education of individual students. Now, we try to avoid that, and we benchmark against the Australian system and the top universities in the country to try and maintain those staff-student ratios. Uh, you also um, provide tutorials um, with uh, support staff or top talented students rather than your academic staff because you're also trying to get them out doing the research that you want as well as the teaching that is needed uh, within the university. So you do start to see um, challenges on educational quality that are growing underneath the radar. Professor Guilford says the government needs to increase university funding substantially and soon. AUT's Derek McCormack agrees. At the moment, I guess you could say that our funding is OK for what you get. But if we want to improve our quality, 
if we want to expand our numbers, if we want to do better with you know those new entrants that are coming to university that might not be as as uh, well schooled up as the old five percent that went, if we want to do well for them, if we want to have stronger engagement with um, industry, business, and and the world of employment and enterprise, um, if we want to be getting into new areas uh, of innovation, then we're going to have to have a bit more money to do that on. We can't do that on the same or less buying power than we've got now. Unitex Rick Eade says times are tough in the polytechnic system too, though institutions are finding ways to cope. It is under some stress, I think, and particularly smaller institutions really do struggle. You know, real critical mass challenges there. Has our ratio of students to staff members increased over the past few years? Yes, it has. But on the, I mean, it's gone up from about 15 to about 18 or 19 for our institution, um, and it's on a full-time equivalent basis. However, I think there are lots of ways that institutions can be quite creative in making sure that the, the uh, learning support, tutorial support, academic support services can be delivered in different ways that actually get the same or better outcomes from you know, necessarily maybe fewer bodies. And of course, one of the big, big things here is technology. But staff representatives at polytechnics and universities have consistently told me that they and their colleagues are feeling the squeeze. The Tertiary Education Union President, Leslie Francie, says a lack of funding means they're working harder than ever. That's had an impact on the level of pastoral care that staff are, are able to provide students. An example and, and something that's of great concern to our uh, Maori caucus is the loss of specialist student support positions. You know, there used to be specialist um, liaison people for Maori students and Pacifica students. And we're seeing a tendency now for those positions to just become generalised. Leslie Francie says the money situation has prompted relentless reviews and restructuring, and they too are taking their toll. The TU engaged a group of researchers from AUT, the New Zealand Work Research Institute, um, to look at the health of the sector in terms of staff. And that research has shown that a third of staff working in the sector believe that they're going to be made redundant in the next two years. So that kind of insecurity, you know, it's not healthy for the staff. It's probably not healthy for the institution or the students. Leslie Francie says half of the survey respondents said they would not recommend a career in tertiary education. But Stephen Joyce says tertiary institutions are coping well. They're just getting more efficient. The TEU needs to wake up and smell the roses, actually, because we've increased the income, for example, the government uh, investment in the university sector by 18.5% since 2008. You know, through the toughest times, there's not that many large organisations that have seen that sort of revenue increase. And I think that's important to note. Across the tertiary sector, We've delivered increases to every sector in terms of in terms of funding. As I say, the ITPs went up faster and then come back a bit, but they're still a lot higher than they were in 2008. Certainly, tertiary institutions' financial results for the past couple of years show that while they're having to tighten their belts, most are managing to make surpluses. Treasury papers say there's no evidence the sector cannot maintain a positive financial position, though they warn that polytechnics might be forced to spend less on low-profit but important trade training programmes. So is there any chance that financial relief might soon be in sight? Stephen Joyce indicated there might be, but he warned any increases will come with strings attached. 
I think yeah, we'll continue to uh, add funding over time. It's, it's reasonably targeted, as we have shown over the last few years. We've pushed up funding in some areas and left so in others. But it's all got to be about improving the productivity and results in each individual institution. So uh, I think as as the economy grows uh, and uh, you know, there'll be more opportunities. Regardless of whether there is more money, it seems clear the development of a system of targeted funding and performance measures is not yet complete. The Tertiary Education Commission's Tim Fowler says it needs to evolve further. My sense is that if we were to look out not just five years but ten years, keep the same system settings with the same demographics, with the same fiscal envelope, with an economy that's going gangbusters, we're going to fall short. Will our society and will our economy have the skill sets that we need if we're keeping doing the same things in 10 years' time that we are doing now? So where we're at as an organisation um, is working with our colleagues and other, part, and other government agencies, specifically you know, NZQA, MB and MOE, to think about taking a real systems-level approach to, to looking at the next things. But also we want to get alongside the sector and say, hey, listen, where do you think we can make further improvements around encouraging collaboration, um, getting the system away from the high levels of compet competition that have been um, inbuilt over the last decade, uh, and seeking to get the best possible value out of our spend, even without increasing that spend. It's getting a better, you know, optimising that value, and I think that really is the challenge for us now. Stephen Joyce is another who wants to refine the system. He says the current performance indicators and financial sanctions are at about the right levels, but he'd also like to introduce other measures, such as student success in finding jobs. The balance is pretty good at the moment. We might change the output indicators. I'd love to get more about um, the actual employment outcomes for learners rather than just whether they qualified, and we're doing some more work in that space. But I think uh, around that 5% mark is actually a pretty good uh, a motivator for institutions. Don't forget their average surplus is only about 3%. So uh, if you went too far in that direction, you'd end up with them having problems trying to plan their expenditure over a year. I think the, the balance of inputs versus outputs is right, but whether we can actually make the outcomes even more relevant to students uh, is something that we're going to do some more work on. You probably heard of lots of people that were graduating from here at that time. How tough it was. Yeah. 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 Incredibly tough. And who was that lovely young guy I met um, who graduated from here during the recession and he and his other co-student that left here at the same time, they set up their practice together. Oh, Ethan and Jamie. Ethan and Jamie. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. I was, I Stephen Joyce says the government's changes have been good news for students like these would-be landscape designers at Unitech. Certainly more students are passing their courses successfully. But there are strong warnings that quality is being endangered in the drive for efficiency from New Zealand's universities and polytechnics. I'm John Gerritsen, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Chris Keogh.